So Acts chapter 16, and here it is. As, as they were going to the place of prayer, uh, Paul and Silas were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. How many know there's a, a young lady who had a demonic spirit in her that allowed her to actually tell the future, allow her actually to be a kind of kind of prophetic because what she was saying about Paul and Silas was true. That's why we have to be so careful what we allow to speak into our lives. I mean, there could be all sorts of things out there that are, wow, that's pretty accurate, but it's not from God's word. It's not from the Holy Spirit. And so, they, and so she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, he turned and said to the spirit, I command you and in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. How many know it's okay to be greatly annoyed? Can I get an amen right there? Thank you, Paul. And so this, but her owner saw that her hope of gain was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the, magist to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They, uh, they advocate, uh, advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to, to accept or to practice. The crowds join in attacking them and the magistrates tore garments off of them so they were without uh, clothes and they gave orders to beat them with rods and when they inflicted many blows upon them they threw them into prison how many know it's not always easy following jesus and it's not always easy being a Christ follower. And he says this, uh, ordering them to uh, blows upon them, threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received the order, he put them in the inner prison because they were dangerous individuals. In the inner prison, no windows, uh, shackles placed upon their feet. But then verse 25, this is about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, say suddenly, suddenly. say immediately. immediately, immediately the prison doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and he, he saw that the, prisoner doors, the prison doors were open, he drew his sword about to kill himself. All of a sudden a loud voice, Paul cried out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights. Man, he rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. He took them in the same hour of that night. He washed their wounds, and he, he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house, set food before them, and he had rejoiced with his entire household that he had believed in God. Can I get a good amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Father, I pray this word begins to not only be information in our lives, but Father, I pray may this word transform our life for your praise and your glory and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. I, I want to really dissect this passage of scripture here today in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it said about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns 
to God. Now, I love that the author in Acts tells us that it was midnight. I love, and this is probably for the, for the <laughs> this is why we need multiple services, because some of y'all were up until midnight last night, you know? And it says, up until midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Where were they? In prison. Half naked, beaten with rods, and thrown into the inner prison. I've been beginning to do a study on the inner prison. I mean, it's, it's humid, it's musty, it's dark. You can't see that the inner prison was the most protected portion of the prison. In the inner prison, it wasn't just Paul and Silas, but it was other uh, dangerous criminals in that prison, and their feet were shackled. And their response was praying and singing hymns to God. Can I tell you, as your pastor, that's not my first response. A lot of times when we're in, in, in prison, right? I mean, and I'm not talking like some of you are like, like, yeah, pastor, you know, but some of, a lot of times when we feel like we're in prison, our first, our first notion isn't exactly praise and worship. For me, it's to complain. For me, it's, to, it's almost to, to uh, justify the reason I'm in this place. Or even for me, it's, it's for me to complain and say, God, if you are omniscient, if you are all-knowing, if you are so great that they say and preached in sermons that I've heard over and over again, if you really are, then where are you, my God? And a lot of times, many of us, we're in the prison of, see, I'm just scared of this thing now, right? The prison of patience. I'm in a patience prison. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't think I have to explain this, but sometimes it feels like we're in a prison of patience. I'm just waiting. I prayed that prayer. It hasn't happened yet. So I'm just, I'm waiting. It could be, it could be a God thing you're, you're, you're praying about. It could be a tangible thing. It could be a materialistic thing. It could be a, a, you know, a positional thing, a circumstantial thing. But the, a lot of times in the prison of patience, this is where we have to be careful of our heart. Be careful of our actions. See, here's, I am convinced every single person in this room, whether you're a Christ follower or you're here for the very first time or, or whatever your you know, theology is, I really believe that we all have to wait. We all, we all have to, in the name of Jesus, right? And so here at this touch screen, ready? We all have to wait, but we can either complain or we can praise. My family and I, we have a saying. I really think it's, I'm the only one that says it, but uh, we have a saying. You ready for it, baby? And we have a saying. I always tell my family, hey, Levi. And he always interrupts me. I go, your attitude, and he goes, determines your altitude. That's right. But how many know? I believe we all have to wait, but we can either complain or we can praise. And so Paul and Silas decided at that moment to, to worship, to sing hymns, and to pray to God. I don't know what they were singing at that point. I don't know if they were singing, break every chain, because that's what I would pray. I mean, I don't think they were. I think they were singing, like, how great is. Why you got to do that? My wife just went, ah. So did Abby, too, huh? Great and mighty is he. Okay, we were going way back. Or the doxology. Whatever they were singing, they weren't singing, God, get me out of this situation. They're probably singing, God, you're amazing. God, you're incredible. God, I, I love exactly who you are and what you are. For me as a Christ follower, I'd be saying, break every chain. Break these chains. Suddenly open the, you know. Break out like Mr. Rogers, you know. But can I just encourage you? 
put that phone away. Can I, oh no. Can I encourage you? Let me encourage your heart if you're taking notes today. If we only worship God in the good times, then we will replace him in the tough times. That's good right there. I got to read that one more time, okay? If we only worship God in the good times, then we often will replace him in the tough times. And you see this throughout scriptures. In Exodus chapter 32, uh, Moses goes to the Pharaoh, let my people go, and all the plagues and things like that. And then finally, Pharaoh says, let them go. And they cross over. He, put, he sticks the, uh, the staff in the ground. The, the sea splits open. They go across. And, and I, as they're in the wilderness, uh, Moses says, I'm, I'm going to go up on the mountain. I'm going to pray. I need to hear a word from God. Maybe Moses felt like he was in a prison of patience. And so he goes up in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is what Exodus 32 says. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. Have you ever been in, in, your, in, your, in your Christian life saying, God, why are you delaying? Am I in sin? I mess up. I screw up. Where you at? And this says this. When they, they saw that Moses delayed, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, Up! Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They said, we don't know what he has begun. So all the people, ready to go back here? So all the people took off rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. When he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it into a graving tool, he made a golden calf. And he said, these are your gods, O Israel, who have brought you out of the land of Egypt. And it says this, and it says, and I want you to know, let's go back one more. What they begin to do is they begin to build a golden calf. And this is what we call in the church world, right? An, an idol. They created idolatry. And for many of us, when we get tired of waiting for God, we say, this is 2022, we don't have idols in our life. But for many of us, when we get tired of waiting on God, we'll then begin to fashion an idol for us to say, this is my answer. This is my focus. This is my vision. And I love what, what it says in the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. It says, the tendency of the Israelites towards idolatry was in part an expression of the universal human longing for a God one can see and know through physical senses. So a lot of times we don't have an idol in my life, but many of us, we have a lot of idolatry in our life. Idolatry is anything you love more than God, anything that has replaced God in your life. And it's a partial fulfillment of this desire that God sent his son in the flesh. So many of us, we say, I don't, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have idols. I don't, I don't have this in my life. But, for, but the reality is we replace God in the tough times with things that we can see and touch. And I've, I've been in ministry 20 years. I've seen this time and time again where we don't receive or we don't get or we don't hear God or, man, we go through the dark night of the soul and instead of getting closer to God, instead of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference, we then say, you know what? I have another replacement. Man, I, I, this is going tough. So, man, if I could just get that boyfriend, man, if I could just get that career, if I could just make enough money, if I, if I could just go over here, if I could just then, a lot of times we replace our theology with something that we can, we can comprehend, that we can explain, that we're able to deconstruct and say, this is really what it is. And I, have to, I need to have this here because it's something that I can see and it's something that I can touch. 
But here's what Paul and Silas did in Acts chapter 16. It said, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. And I love this. And the prisoners were listening to them. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Everyone's handcuffs and things like that opened up. I just encourage you today, a lot of times we have things in our life that we, we say, you know what, this is an idol in my life. This is something I've been focusing on instead of focusing on Jesus. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But oftentimes, if we fix our eyes on something that's idolatry, then that becomes what shapes our faith. Ooh, that's good right there. I want to, where's my notes? Write that down, write that down. But can I just tell you, when we worship God in the tough times, if we don't cling to idols or any, or any little Gs in our life, can I just encourage you that we become examples to others? Yeah. And can I tell you, since being, pastoring this church for the past five years, I am so encouraged seeing man, incredible people go through tough times and worshiping and leaning into God more. And you've become such an example in my life, and I hope to be an example in your life. Yes. But First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies, that you may worship, that you may give glory of Jesus, of God, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. For once you have received, you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In the tough times, in the good times, in the times that we just exist, can I encourage you today that every single person in this room today, you were born to worship. You are born to worship. Now, many times we say we're born as sinners. That's because of what Adam and Eve did. That's because of the original sin. But how many know before that took place, God created us to worship him, to worship him. But here's what I want you to know. We, 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 we applaud, right? We go, yes, I was born to worship. Yes, thank you, Jesus. You know what Paul and Silas were doing? They weren't asking God to get them out of their circumstances. They were just doing what they were created to do. I'm born to worship. Here's what worship means, and I love this definition in Baker's Encyclopedia. It says, worship is an expression of reverence, respect, and adoration of God. It covers such activity as adoration. I mean, that's what we do on Sunday mornings, right? We just adore him. God, you're incredible. God, you're amazing. That's what I try to do first thing every single morning. I go, God, thank you. Thank, even if my day was bad the day before, God, thank you for doing this or that. God, thank you for doing the little things. God, thank you for that. I, I give him thanksgiving. God, I thank you for that. I adore you. I pray all of, uh, prayers of all kinds. I offer sacrifice. You know when you give, when you're, when you're generous, that's called worship. It might sacrifice and, and making a vows. And I love this. The English word worship means literally worship. When I worship, I'm, I'm telling God that he is worthy. Yes. It's worth-ship. But something that's interesting, when I begin to worship God, I'm doing what I was originally created to do, and I feel a whole lot worthier yes. after I've been in the presence of God. My prayer is this church becomes a, a church that worships. And can I tell you, we are a church that worships. We raise our hands, we sing, we do all those things, but also we were born to worship. First Peter chapter four says this, above all, keep loving one another earnestly 
Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. So why are we going to the gifts thing? Because this is what the reason is in 1 Peter. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one serves by strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified, God may be worshipped through Jesus Christ. To him belongs all worship, all glory, and dominion forever and ever. Can I encourage you today? We were born to worship God, but then we were also created to serve. We were born to worship. I worship God, but also worship God by serving people. And I think we've lost that in this culture, in this society, because I want you to know, serving is worship. When I serve my fellow man, I'm worshiping. When I'm nice to somebody at the grocery store, I'm worshiping. When I'm loving my neighbor, I'm worshiping. When I'm doing the dishes, come on somebody, I'm worshiping. Settle down, honey. Come on. And can I encourage you today, serving is worship. That's why today we have Connect One Day, and I'm a really good pastor, right? Because you got to put an announcement inside the message, and that's a great, great pastor thing to do. But I really strongly suggest Will you help us to worship God by serving this city? Will you help us to to worship Jesus by worshiping every single person who, by worshiping God, by serving, ooh, that means I almost said it, (laughs) by by serving those that are seeking hope, man, those that are seeking healing, those that are walking into our building today and those that we encounter Man, those at the Just One Project yesterday, the pop-up market, those that came in. Did you know about what 11 uh, individuals came in yesterday uh, due to our third party with Teen Challenge and they served and they set up this, this building? And can I tell you what two of them were, no, three of them were in their 20s and the rest were over 60? Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I want to be like, I was encouraged. I was like, man, I'm 38, I barely, you know. But you know what? There's something that connected. They weren't here to, to, to worship this. They did it to worship their God. Amen. So I encourage you. Today we have Connect One Day taking place in the lobby. There's child care, snacks, things like that. But I really want you to not only hear the vision of our church and our story, but man, I want you to discover what was the unique gifts that God has placed inside of you so that you can go and worship God by serving people. We were born to worship, and then we were created to serve. I've heard a phrase a lot of us say, oh, man, maybe it's public speaking. I get off the stage, like, whoa, that was great. You know, like, they were amening me today, you know? They were clapping, you know? They were, like, high-fiving me after service, like, yeah, pastor. Like, I was born to speak. How many know that's a lie? I wasn't born to speak. I was born to worship. And then I was, I was, I was, I was called, too, to do something. Sometimes we get those things mixed up. Yeah. What happens is not, not only do we say, I was born to blank, blank, blank. What we're saying is, I was born to worship myself if you were born to do something. Right. You weren't born to do something. You were born to, to be someone. Yeah. And that's an identity in Christ. Yes. Amen. So I was born to worship, but now I was called to serve. But can I encourage you? Worship is, is, is for God, not us. Not us. That everything we do 
is worship unto God. It's sometimes in, a, in, in our Bible stories, collection of talks, you might hear a simple statement and go, amen. But sometimes that simple statement, I like that, huh? Right? But sometimes that simple statement has more deeper meaning if we really sit in it. And we say, am I really worshiping God in everything that I do? Worship is more than songs and instruments. Worship is more than than just, can I sing well? And if, if that was the requirement, I would, be, I, would, I would not be allowed in this room because deaf people don't sing. You know, like. But can I just encourage you, everything we do is worship under God. Uh, I want you to say, how, pastor? All right, Romans chapter 12 says this. I love this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable, I was, I was born to worship. <laughs> then called the public speak, all right? Present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Yeah. Which is your spiritual worship. Deuteronomy chapter 26. And he brought us into this place, and he gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I will bring first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given to me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Not only is, is my, my, my life, not only am I born to worship, not only is what I do a sacrifice and a worship unto God, my spiritual worship, but also is my generosity. My generosity, when I tithe, when I give 10%, 20%, when I give over and above and beyond, I am saying, God, I'm not doing it for the church. I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm not waiting for a bucket to come by. I'm doing it because it's my worship unto you. The Father, I trust you, and I give you my tithe. Giving is worship. Luke chapter 24, it says, And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple. They were continually in church with God, blessing God. Can I, I, I want to challenge you. If you're feeling down and depressed, just begin to worship. Worship in your car, worship in your closet, worship in your house, worship wherever you're at. Get a good Spotify playlist, man. And I want you just to worship, worship until you begin to say, God, according to your word, Luke chapter 24, and when they worshiped you, remember, the Bible was, wasn't, written, was, wasn't written to us, it was written for us. And so we say, this is what happened to them. God, I want them to happen to me. And they worship him and return back to Jerusalem with great joy. When I worship God, I find joy in my life. Not only do I choose joy, but man, God gives me joy. And joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 13 says that uh, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So when I worship, I'm, I'm sinking with my lips. And for some of you in this room, it is a sacrifice of praise for you to lift your voice. And I want to challenge a lot of, a lot of our a lot of our Christ followers, you can sing. And you can lift your voice and you can hit those notes. But for some of us in this room that can't, I challenge you, lift your voice and sing with praise. I'm one to think because I, I'm a little biased, right? I'm one to think that God's in heaven. He doesn't go, ooh, yeah. And then he's like, ooh, come on, Abby, keep going. And then he's like, no, you stop. You know, like, I didn't give you a voice box. You know, like, 
I believe that when we worship, we get God's attention. It is my desire for me to sing and worship God so much, give him all adoration, thanksgiving, and praise for God to blush. For him to go, ah, stop it. <laughs> but man, we have to lift, we, we, it's, it's with my life, my lifestyle, my actions, my responses. Am I, am I, do I live a life of worship in the grocery store, in traffic, at my career, at my work, in my home, behind closed door? Is my life a life of worship? Do I worship with my lips? Do I worship with my giving, my generosity, my time? Do I worship God? I love this, Psalms 90, uh, 95. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And so I want our church to become a church that was created and born to worship. Here's a tough one. Y'all ready for this one? Psalms 149. And I highlighted some stuff in here, but uh, yeah. Let us praise his name with standing really still. Let us praise his name with dancing, making melody to him. Now, if you have a tambourine, we're going we're gonna to have to talk, okay? Because <laughs> we have a bit of our instruments here in this place, all right? <laughs> Somebody like, yeah. all right. And, and liar. We don't know what a liar is, so we're going to keep, just keep going, okay? <laughs> Making melody to him with bass guitar, <laughs> right, with drums. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. When we sing, when we dance, right? And I love that. Sometimes we're like, that's not dancing, you know. But when we dance, you know what it is? It is so humbling. We're going to dance like David danced. I'm going to come before my God. You know, I was once in a worship, uh, worship experience, and I was the leader, right? I'm the leader. And man, just the speaker began to communicate what David did in the Bible. And he began to communicate that just something overcame me. And I just said, God, I want to worship you with reckless abandonment. I want to worship you like I don't care if I'm the leader. I don't care if people are in this room looking at me. I don't care if I can't dance, you know, because I'm, 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 you know, like, like white. I, I don't care if, if I can't sing because I'm deaf. I, I just don't care about God. I was born and created to worship. And that night I went to the front. I didn't go to the front so people can see me. Hey, you know, how many have seen people that are like, <laughs> fix your eyes on Jesus, not the back of the room. And can I tell you, church, with, with a theology of vulnerability, man, I just went, I yelled, I screamed, I jumped, I spun, I did whatever. And I began to just dance like David danced. And can I tell you, I didn't walk out of that room completely changed and, and everything I touched turned to gold, but I walked out of that room a little bit more freer than I was when I walked into that room. Something changed me. And I begin to recall Paul and Silas at the midnight hour were praying and singing hymns to God. It reminds me of, uh, I've been studying uh, a monk named Brother Lawrence. And this individual, I really like this monk, this particular monk, he was born in the 1600s. And I really like this uh, particular monk because, you know, a lot of times we think of monks, they go in monasteries and they live a life without social media. It's terrifying, right? or life without phones, or, you know, like in the 1600s, they didn't have any of those things. But how many know, it's just because the times change, habits typically don't change. So there's things you can distract yourself with. 
What I really like about Brother Lawrence, this particular monk, was he was a extrovert monk. And so time in solitude was difficult for him. And I was like, I, I could relate to this guy, you know. Just time with the Lord was difficult for him. And so he began to find different ways or different avenues to feel the presence of God. And Brother Lawrence ended up being a, a chef or a cook. And, and so he'd be in the kitchen cooking all the different meals, cleaning pots and pans. But he would say he was praying without ceasing every moment and every, every decision. Do I put this spice in there? Do I use this pot or this pan? And every moment he began to have communion with God. He began to worship God. And every single moment he would hear God's voice begin to speak back to him as he was doing the work of the ministry. And on his deathbed, it says this, they, they begin to ask him because as he grew closer to death, he actually became more famous. And famous by his words, famous by, by his revelation of, of Jesus and what God was speaking to him. And monks were going like, we, we spent hours in solitude and here you are around people and you're working and you're doing these things. How are you hearing these amazing revelations from God? He also began to ask, and the reason why he died was because he developed some ulcers, and, and, and because of the ulcers, extreme pain, and that pain eventually took his life. And it said in, in 1691, it said, when a monk asked Brother Lawrence what he was doing and what was occupying his mind from the extreme pain, they didn't have medicine back then. And he said, I am doing what I will do throughout all eternity. I am blessing God. I am praising God. I am adoring and loving him with all my heart. This sums up our entire call and duty, brothers, to adore God and to love him without worrying about the rest. Without worrying about the rest. And what's so interesting is he was in so much pain, but he has such communion with God that he said, I don't feel the pain, I just feel God's presence. He, he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. He even told another monk, he said, I need, to finish, I need to write one more letter because next Tuesday, at this time, I'm going to be in the, in the glory. And sure enough, the Lord told him the day and the time that he was going to pass from glory to glory. And here's something that's really encouraged me in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, about midnight, they're praying, singing hymns to God. The prisoners were all listening to him. Our worship is an example to others. And man, immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. But I want you to see this. So he goes to the jailer and the jailer falls on his feet. He wants to, he wants to kill himself, commit suicide because he knows he's going to die anyways because they all escaped. But then they, he gets up and he, and he says, he took him at the same hour of the night and he washed Paul and Silas's wounds. He, he, he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and he set food before them. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. It is incredible. When we simply worship God, the doors he begins to open for others. And the impact and the difference we are able to make in other people's lives. But here's what I noticed. I believe this is the Holy Spirit. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. Let them go. Let's get, let's get them out of there. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent sent to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. But Paul said, they beat us up. <laughs> they beat us publicly. Uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And this has a lot to unpackage. 
who have thrown us into prison. And now do they throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. Right? And this is where we're like, yeah. Here's what I believe with the Holy Spirit. Because I've always known this context of Scripture and saying, like, God showed up. God opened the prison doors. Man, God took the shackles off their feet so they could dance. Man, God saved the guard. And then God used the situation for, for Paul and Silas to come out. And this wasn't just so they could escape. This is so that they could have a, 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 a platform, a, a moment to speak to the, to the city. But here's what I never noticed before is that they went back to prison. Prison doors were open. They said, man, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord of life. Went to his house. They got to eat. They baptized him. They went back to prison. Their circumstances never changed, but something else did. If we were to define circumstances, circumstances is a condition. Circumstances is a fact or an event accompanying conditioning or determining another. Here's my main point today. If, if you don't take anything away from this mission, I want you to take this away from you today. If you want to change your circumstances, I want you to change your worship. If you want to change your circumstances, I want you to change your worship. Paul and Silas, they didn't, they, they, they didn't even care that they were in a prison, bound, beat, half naked. They were doing what they were created to do, what they were called to do. Man, church, if you want to change your circumstances, change your worship. For many of us, the circumstances, Lord, if you, if, 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 if you would just do this, if you, if, if, if you would just give me a, 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 you know, a boyfriend, a, a girlfriend, a, a wife, or a husband, a, a house, a better job. Man, if you would just answer my prayers, if you would just heal me, if you could just heal my ears, if you could, if you could just give Avenue a building, man, if you could just bring people, oh, man, just the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. God, if you could just heal me, restore me. God, if you could just do this and that. But the problem with that is that a lot of times we're worshiping the wrong God. And what I've been to realize, I've been a Christ follower for many, many years. Got, got saved in junior high, called to ministry, been in ministry 20 years. And one day I was in my prayer closet and I was just upset with God because I was still deaf. I'm completely deaf in this year and 60% deaf in this year. And in my theology of vulnerability, I began to say, God, heal me. Most of you know my story. I've been to every every healing thing, crusade, traveled. Some well-known people prayed for me. I remember one time I was just going, God, heal me. Is it my faith? What is it, Lord? And I really believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It said, you have idolatry. And I'm going, what are you talking about? And for me in my own personal life, I was serving the healing rather than serving the healer. I was wanting God so much to change my circumstance that I was worshiping my outcome. I was worshiping a changed circumstance instead of just worshiping my creator. Lord, if this is a thought of my flesh, let it be a thought of my flesh. Lord, if this could be something that you heal me someday, let it be something that heal me someday. And I'm telling you, church, if God heals me, the service is over. It is done. We're going to do Jericho March. I'm going to get taco trucks. 
We're going to play Marco Polo. Marco, ah! I promise. We're going to do all the hearing games. It's going to be great. We're going to play hide and seek. Here's what I learned long ago, Matthew chapter 6. It says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, about your circumstances, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor your body. Can I get an amen? What you put on. It's not a life more than food and the body more than clothing. Even though you got to look good, right? Come on in. Even though more than clothing. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And somebody needs to see this today. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows exactly what you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Worship Jesus and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Will you stand with me, please? I'm gonna put up one more slide, I believe, as I close this out today. But my challenge for you today, and I have a challenge slide in just a second, but I want you to know, God is all about the heart. Not about your actions, he's all about the heart. And you worship him, and I believe he will give you the desires of your heart he just wants to be first. He just wants to be first. First on your mind and first in your heart. And church, I, I have an agenda today. And my agenda is, is, is for us to get out of our, our prison and for us to enter into a new season of, of worship. Worship in our giving, worship in our serving, worship with our lips worship with our hands, worship with our bodies, worship with our mind, worship with our heart. David said, God created me a pure heart. Renew the joy of my salvation for us to cleanse us on the inside. And I love this, in this uh, dictionary of the of biblical themes by Manser. He said, true worship is not the mechanic rep repetition of rituals, but it should be the wholehearted and reverent. It should be based upon trustful in obedient lives, and in that obedience is itself to be seen as an act of worship. So here's my challenge for you today. Will you give your heart to Jesus? Will you worship him only? And will you serve people? Will you give your life to him and give your heart to him? Or will you only worship him and will you serve people? Here's my agenda today. I would love for you to get out of your prison, whether it's up here in the front, whether it's in the aisles, whether it's in the back, whether it's in the sides. We're going to take some time. It's summer at Avenue Church, if that's cool with you. It's summer at Avenue Church. But I want you to get alone with God. Uh, we, what, two minutes in our psalm? We're just going to do about a two-minute psalm. And I want you to worship like you've never worshiped before. Maybe that's dancing, maybe that's singing, maybe that's raising your hands, maybe that's lips, maybe that's giving, maybe that's generosity, maybe that's going to connect one day, whatever it is for you. I want to encourage you, Jesus, I repent of my sins, be the Lord of my life, but you are worthy of my worship. We bow your heads, close your eyes, go ahead, worship team, begin to sing for us today. But Holy Spirit, I pray, help us today to give you a sacrificial form of praise, of worship today. Jesus, I give you my heart and I give you my worship. Father, I pray, begin to reveal to me anything that's an idol in my life. Anything that I've been focusing on or, or worshiping on. 
instead of worshiping my creator, my king. So Father, as people step out the aisles or maybe they come forward, maybe they worship in their seats, that Holy Spirit, I pray you begin to envelope us with your presence. Father, I thank you that your word says that when we worship, Father, you come down in this room in adoration. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in this place. Speak to us. But help us to worship you. Go ahead, team. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Come on, church, we raise two hands. Will you lift your voice for just a second? Will you meet me here again? Holy Spirit, I thank you. Thank you that you're in this place. That Jesus, I pray you begin to use us. The Father, may my worship be an example to my family, to my friends, my co-workers, strangers, to my community, to my city. Father, may I be known for what I'm all about, not what I'm against. The Holy Spirit, may my life be a life of worship. I love that the greatest form of, of worship is giving your life to Jesus. And saying, Lord, I, I repent of my sins. I, I repent for the things I've been clinging on and holding on that's not of you. But I want to give you my heart. I'm not perfect. There's days I don't feel worthy, but I'm still created to worship. Man, if you're in this room today and you're ready to pray that prayer. Man, I would love to just lead you in that prayer wherever you're at, in the front, in the sides, in the back. I'm so proud of you, church. Let's pray a prayer. Say, Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say thank you for paying for what I did. So today, I repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, I give you my heart. I give you my worship. Because I now know who I am. I'm a worshiper. I'm a giver. I'm a Christ follower. That I now know that I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.